Happy Wednesday. It is the Bill Michaels Show. No Bill today. No Bill the rest of the week. Filling in, I am Ben Kenny. That, as usual now, I guess, is Grant Bills. Grant, hello. Good morning, Ben. Do we know what Bill is up to? Not that it's any of our business. I know he was in lacrosse yesterday. Maybe he just liked it here so much he's taking a couple of days and hanging out in lacrosse. Have you heard from the guy? Uh, charity stuff, I believe. There are specifics that, honestly, I forget that have been said to me that just uh, <laughs> went in one ear and, and out the other. I, I, My mind, I was focused on the game, you know? My mind was just he, focused on kickoff, what we're going to talk about, how we're going to handle these three days. So I, He didn't I, ask either one of us to cut a check to his charity. He must know that we don't have much to give. That's yes. disappointing. Yes, that second <laughs> point, very important. So yes. it's Wednesday. We've been talking about the Packers' loss and the Badgers' loss, for that matter, for the last couple of days. A very disappointing weekend, last weekend in Wisconsin sports, especially football. We're going to turn the page coming up later in the week to the Bears on Sunday night, New Mexico State visiting Madison to play the Badgers. But on today, this Wednesday, it's the day after, the day after, the day after, if you will, uh, the Packers' loss to the Minnesota Vikings. They're 0-1. It was a loss that, in a weird way, was expected Uh, I came on these airwaves on Friday and said, because everybody now thinks the Vikings will win, I think I'm going to take the Packers. But the gut did say the Vikings. We kind of knew they would come out. They would lay some sort of an egg and we would enter this week with very similar questions than we had last year when the similar thing happened when they lost to the Saints. Grant Bills, I ask you first, when we Mm -hmm. talk about the Packers loss to the Vikings sitting here today compared to Sunday afternoon compared to Monday do we feel better, the same, or worse about what transpired last weekend? Well, I feel better because Russell Wilson and the Broncos are kind of the new butt of the joke. So some of the heat has shifted off my Packers. The game is still the game and what happened happened. But I feel like public perception and sports talk around the NFL has kind of shifted on to talking about some other teams. Uh, the Packers-Vikings game, other than what Justin Jefferson did, is pretty boring to talk about. So I like that the attention is elsewhere. I... Here, here. this is a weird answer, but I, it makes sense in my head. I feel better about what I felt good about, and I think I feel worse about what I felt bad about. Does that make sense? Like, like the things that I felt good about on Sunday, which were few and far between, I've thought more about them, and I've looked at some numbers, and I, and I feel better about those things, like Kenny Clark pressure and some things with the defense and Christian Watson was getting open. I still feel great, and I probably am feeling better about all those things. But Aaron Rodgers not being able to connect with anybody and just taking sacks when I don't think he had to take sacks. I might feel even worse about that because as we get farther away from the game, I keep remembering, oh yeah, Devontae Adams isn't around to help things improve and to help things go in the right direction over the year. Does that answer make any sense? It does. I think it can be explained uh, more simply and in words that are easier to understand. You yeah. feel better about the defense where yeah. they the defense obviously came into the game with high billing many projecting it to be top five in the NFL. They did not live up to that expectation, especially in the secondary, but I'm with you. I I think the thought around the defense right now is that it's going to get figured out because a lot of people, uh, Matt Schneiderman of the athletic is one of them have done a lot of great work breaking down what went wrong against Justin Jefferson. And was it like, would putting Jair on him, would it have been different? Maybe. I don't know. But a lot of what went wrong was just simple coverage busts. It was rustiness and sloppiness that I think can be attributed to not playing those guys in the preseason. As simple and as much of a cop-out as it sounds, they were just sloppy. 
They just weren't clean on the back end. And while I don't think we'll see the same Rasul Douglas year, excuse me, yeah. like there has to be some regression there given what he did last year and all the interceptions. Generally, the talent's there. I, I feel better compared to Monday about the defense after going through what really went on. I mean, do I... Am I happy that the plan entering the game just didn't work at any level? Like, they they tried to stop Dalvin Cook. They didn't blitz. They didn't rush the quarterback as much as they could have with Cousins and clearly were kind of shredded on the back end as the result. And Cook even still got his. I think he had 110, 108 total yards rushing and receiving. The plan uh, not working is definitely, you know, uh, it doesn't bring much confidence after that game. But in general, going forward, I think the attitude surrounding the defense, uh, at least for me and what you were trying to say, is positive. The offense, though, if I had to say, do I feel better? Do I feel worse? Do I feel the same? As the days go by, and I don't mean to be alarmist here, but I feel worse about the offense. And I've sat here uh, for a while today, yesterday, the day before, thinking back to this time last year because I was on with Ebo that week after the loss to the Saints in Jacksonville, where the offense uh, was putrid, for lack of a better term. Uh, Just in general, it was a bad game, and they clearly turned it around soon thereafter. However, they lost, and the offense was poor in that contest last year because we had some anomaly turnovers from the quarterback position. Like, Rodgers wasn't sharp, and clearly uh, the whole offseason deal uh, probably had something to do with it. Just wasn't on the same page with anybody through those interceptions that we know if he's good at anything, it's taking care of the football this year. While he did throw a couple interceptions, one of which didn't really matter. I feel worse about this offense because it's a different offense. The personnel just isn't there. So when I look at something that happened on Sunday, when I look at how the team performed, I think the margin for error is so slim with this team and I might be proven wrong. I would love to be proven wrong as we go into the future. But uh, even if the defense dominates that Vikings team, like the Packers moved the ball a bit, but they couldn't finish a drive there on the goal line. They just, uh, the margin for error that when everything's working well, great. They could still be a really good offense. But Mm -hmm. we saw Sammy Watkins and Randall Cobb combined for five catches, I think, on 55 total routes ran. Like there just isn't that dimension. You knew the dimension was there last year with Devontae, with MVS even, with all the weapons they had in that room. This year, yep. I can't sit here and say that they're there yet. So that is where I feel worse. Is that a good summation so I, I of like, what you were yes. saying? Yes, I think so. I think we're on the same page. Uh, I think the margin for error angle on the offense is a really good one because I think at their best, when everyone's dialed in, this offense can still execute and move the ball. But we had three drives in that game. Uh, one ended in a touchdown. One ended in a goal line stand, a turnover, and then another one ended late in the game when Rodgers tried to go to Tunyon in the end zone and there were two guys and the pass was broken up. In those three drives, looked pretty good. I'm sitting there thinking, all right, this can play. You know, some combination of Dylan, Jones, Watkins here and there, Watson, Dot, like, all right, Tunyon, there, there's a mix that works. And those three drives in the Vikings game, we saw it work. But then the rest of the game, we saw how slim that margin for error was right? When you would get behind the sticks for whatever reason, or when you would get third down and the pass rush is bearing down on you, there's no easy security blanket with Devontae Adams, right? That's what's different this year is when things get tough and you're in a tough spot, there's no Devontae Adams to bail you out. So this offense needs to be 
uber detailed. One dumb penalty is going to be way more harmful this season than last year, or one poor throw or one more drop is going to kill them more this year than it would have last year because Devontae Adams just makes up for all of these mistakes or these little, Rodgers kept saying, mental errors. I, I am worried about the offense, and I'm sure we'll talk more why throughout the show. Just a couple positives. Can I sprinkle in two or three positives? I guess. Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari are very good. I'm very confident in Elton Jenkins coming back and playing well. We'll see with Bakhtiari, but the offensive line is going to get better. And Al Lazard is like a really important player. And he knows Rodgers and they played together for a while. And he's hopefully coming back and going to be okay. So there's, there's a couple of positive sprinkles. I mean, I buy, I don't mean to be a, you know, a bucket of cold water today. And like, Please. yeah, they did lose on Sunday, but we all came on Monday with the same thought of it'll be okay. Pump the brakes. We've seen this happen in the past. We know the guy at the helmet head coach and the guy at the helmet quarterback, as well as the defensive talent is good enough to, you know, uh, right the ship and probably win the division. Uh, if not, you know, if the Vikings don't just go absolutely crazy this year, the tackle thing, I, it's a, I'll believe it when I see it kind of deal. Like That's when fair. Bakhtiari comes back, I, I won't believe he's going to come back and be dominant until I see it. Jenkins, I have confidence he will, but when will that be? Is it going to be week three against Tampa week four, right? Like at a certain point, if you start slow enough, then you bring the guys back. I, I Once it all clicks, I'll believe it when it comes to the yeah. offensive line. And the, I don't buy into the Lazard thing. I don't really, like, he is an important player. He given what they have in the room, right? But you put Lazard yeah. on any other team, he's 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 fine. He's a three. So that's not even the game changer that I'm talking about. So it's one of those deals where uh, when they are ahead, when they play with the lead, I think they can be very effective at maintaining that lead and driving the ball. But we mm-hmm. saw it early. The Vikings went up. And Rodgers, obviously, the deep ball to Watson on the first play is dropped. But in general... I need to see how this team is able to battle back in football games where if all of the passes are just at the line of scrimmage, like we saw on Sunday, I don't believe that'll continue, but in terms of personnel and in terms of Rogers trust in that personnel, I mean, the ball didn't go to Watkins. It didn't go to Cobb. It barely went to Watson. And he obviously dropped that, that big potential touchdown. It's one of those deals where I, how is his offense going to play from behind? Is the personnel good enough? Are they able to do enough without that kind of game changer or game changers like even MVS out there just being the threat to take the top off the defense. How is that going to look in the future? So I, as yeah. the days go by, I guess this all concerns me more when I review what happened. I think it can be okay. I'm not going to sit here and say it will be okay. And the season's going to be a breeze. I think this season and this offense has the potential to be okay. I think a lot of this falls on Aaron Rodgers, and I know your cohorts in Madison accuse me of being a, a Rodgers hater and everything is fault. And I, I don't really think that's true, but that's what they think. I, I think on Sunday, when Rodgers was dialed in and running the offense efficiently and correctly and kind of sticking to a very specific plan, it went really well. And when things went south, it was when Rodgers was trying to run around and kind of create. I actually don't think the offensive line was as bad as maybe we thought on Sunday. Aaron Rodgers would pressured on 28% of his dropbacks on Sunday. The, the drop back rate and the pressure rate the last two seasons when he won MVP was 26%. It wasn't that much worse. They just weren't equipped to handle it because Rodgers didn't have his safety blanket. And I don't think Rodgers was prepared for exactly how buttoned up he was going to have to be. He was going to have to get the ball out at the exact moment that he needed. And I maybe he was lollygagging a little bit or, you know, week one, just shaking out the cobwebs. 
Rodgers is going to have to play a little bit differently this season than he has in the past. He's going to have to adjust a little bit. And I'm going to need to see him do that. And of course, getting healthy, that will help. I agree with you on Lazard. It's not like he's a superstar. But I think in week one, hostile environment, tough matchup. Rodgers doesn't really have familiarity with anyone else. Lazard would have been uber important. I hope Lazard becomes less important as this season goes along because Rodgers starts building chemistry with some of those other younger, higher ceiling guys. Yeah, the fact that I, he had the confidence in the beginning to go to Watson. I mean, the confidence in Watson obviously waned as the game went along. Ball barely got back to him. But Watson has all the ability. We saw it flash. Yes. So that's one of the guys. I don't mean to talk about my fantasy team here, but I, I went and I, I picked him up because <laughs> nice. the boom potential is there. You saw it with him. You mentioned the pressure rate on Rodgers, though. The difference is this comes from a good ESPN piece by Bill Barnwell on just general. A lot of the contenders fell flat in week one, talking about the Niners, Bengals, um, the Titans as well. The Vikings only blitzed them 14% of the time. And mm-hmm. uh, the Zadarius Smith on Jake Hansen pressure was obviously glaring. We all talked about that. And the offensive line will be better. However, they, they dropped back in zone. They didn't blitz. They still got pressure. When you're able to play that kind of defense, it makes it harder and harder to push the ball down the field unless you have some sort of you know game changer on the outside. So until I see it happen, I, I'm not going to be confident that this offense Fair. can be as dynamic as last season, but that's just, I mean, this is the, we're days removed from week one. They lost Uh, the defense didn't play well, but I'm with you. I'm confident it will going forward. I'm confident Rogers will have a really good season. I just, I just don't know offense wide, what it's going to look like. Their leading receiver was AJ. By the way. Yeah. Rogers is going to have to throw the ball to Christian Watson, even if he doesn't 100% trust him. Like that's going to be a big thing that Rodgers, I think, is going to have to get over and do a little bit differently this season than he would have in the past. Like Watson is their most athletic, their fastest, most dangerous guy. Watson is going to bust plays and make big plays, right? He's going to get free yards, right? Like the other day, everything looked difficult, like a six yard out, barely completed to to Tunya. It's like, man, we had to work hard for those yards. Watson will make plays ideally and catch balls and and get yards after the catch and, and get free yards that you don't have to work so hard for. I don't really care if Rodgers trusts him 100% yet. If he's open, Rodgers is going to have to throw Christian Watson the ball. Yep, with you, 100%. All right, that is the Packers. We will get to them throughout the show today, where our thoughts lie, where expectations maybe need to be tempered moving forward. I want to shift to the Badgers quick before we take a break and, and move forward, talking about what happened last weekend, what is to come. Better, worse, or the same? Badgers lose to Washington State. What's the thought today? I think more of the same, but not in a good way. Like we're doing this again. We've done this a couple of times in the last few years where before the season really even gets off the ground, we just have this gutting loss in the first couple of weeks. And that kind of grounds expectations. I I feel worse, obviously. I think I feel worse because Graham Mertz looked pretty good and Wisconsin's offensive coaching staff or the offensive pieces around him, whether it was the failure of the offensive line you know, as you guys have talked about, you did a great job talking about it on Kenny and Heilprin last night and what Braylon Allen had to say. It didn't really seem like Graham Mertz playing better made a difference. Do you know what I mean? Like if Graham Mertz is making big plays and looking good and taking strides, I want to think that that uplifts the rest of the team and raises the ceiling of the rest of the team. And that really hasn't seemed to be the case. Well, it's tough when you have 11 penalties for 108 yards and miss two yeah. field goals. Yeah, you have eight drives in opponent territory and get two touchdowns from them. 
that's something that is not going to be as poor as we move forward. The penalties just eliminated big plays. There was the fumble at the end. Mm-hmm. I sit here today, and I, I said this yesterday as well. I feel better if it's possible. Like they dropped, they got upset, 17 and a half point favorite at home to an out of conference, uh, Power Five, Pac 12, but an out of conference opponent. That is a very concerning loss. It is very deflating. However, there were losses throughout college football, and I don't mean to deflect, but when I look across the country, just just yeah. generally, Texas A&M yeah. got pushed around by Appalachian State at home and did not deserve to come close to winning that game. They lose. Notre Dame gets pushed around against Marshall. They lose. You even go Nebraska gets pushed around yeah. by freaking Georgia Southern and then fire Scott Frost. They lose that game. I'm not trying to say those losses are worse by any means, but Wisconsin did dominate Washington State in many categories of the game. They just did. Bama could have lost. Like, that's another great team, right? I I think Wisconsin dominated and and almost looked better than the other team in a way that Bama even didn't. You mentioned some of those other elite programs, not to cut you off. Yeah. Well, the Bama thing's tough because I give a lot of credit to Texas as well. Yeah. Uh, but yes, I agree. They they looked more beatable than many around thought they would. But that all the pre-snap penalties there from Bama, I Nick Saban hates playing out-of-conference games on the road. He likes the, the middle, you know, neutral site mm-hmm. games or getting those games at home because of what we saw. It was 110,000 people in Texas, and they made it almost impossible pre-snap for Bama to operate. So we really saw that crush Bama's offense, though there are uh, significant questions. Uh, But connecting Wisconsin to it, I mean, uh, there were good stats shared after the game by Bill Connolly of ESPN. Wisconsin gained 401 total yards, Washington State 253. Wisconsin has not lost a game with those kind of disparities this century. It took crazy penalties and untimely turnovers and the worst special teams performance uh, from the kicking position I've ever seen to lose that football game. So I, I am still concerned moving forward, but I sit here today compared to the instant reaction Sunday and Monday that we had. And I feel better about that one. Just generally team wide. I'm glad that makes me happy. I want to know why they can't do anything in the red zone. That seems like it was a thing last year too. And I can't really understand it. So at some point today, I, we need to hash through that, and I, I want to I have that explained. I want you to lecture me on why this team gets to the red zone and then just they trip all over themselves. We'll talk about the red zone. We'll talk about the Badgers moving forward. They have New Mexico State this weekend. The Packers welcome in the Bears. A 10.5-point spread on that. We're going to talk about uh, the thoughts behind that and whether the Packers really have shown enough or have instilled in us enough confidence in us that they possibly could cover that spread come Sunday night. We'll hit on that. Where should we temper expectations with these teams in general after a deflating weekend of watching football buying and selling There's a new segment coming up later when it comes to the markets, uh, both baseball, football, college pro, all that good stuff. And then it was an electric NFL week one. And there are many storylines that are interesting, but which have caught our eyes. We'll hit on all that next. I'm Ben Kenny. That is Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. It is the Bill Michaels Show. That is Grant Bills. He's on Twitter at Wisco Grant. I'm Ben Kenny. Ben Z. Kenny on Twitter. 
877-867-1670 is how you get a hold of the show. Better, worse, or the same? Badgers, Packers, the the losses, the bad football we saw over the weekend. What are the feelings today? There are two Twitter polls up at this point, Grant. I, I didn't know how to word it to make it one. So I was like, you know what? We'll do two. First, on this Wednesday, do you feel better, worse, or the same about the Packers' loss to the Vikings? 51% so far say the same. 35% say better. Only 14% say worse. Same deal for the Badgers. Uh, tied between the same and worse. And then 23% say they feel better. I don't know. I like when I think about this Packers team in general, uh, after Sunday, I was just, uh, I sat back. I tried to keep a level head and say everything was going to be okay. And I think it will on the defensive side of the football when it comes to the offense, though, I, I can't sit here and say I feel the same about the Packers' offense than I did enter it. I, I feel much worse. Aaron Jones touched the ball eight times on Sunday, Grant. That's unacceptable yeah. to me. Like, if you go into a game with the plan of, okay, we're going to get all the short completions, we're going to get the ball to our best players, I understand that Rodgers did a fine job hitting A.J. Dillon in those spots, but how is Aaron Jones only touching the ball eight times? That just doesn't make much sense to me. Even if you need to pass the ball, even if you're down, I mean, that's arguably your most dynamic offensive skill position player, and he barely touched the football. So just overall, plan-wise, execution-wise, I feel a lot worse about the offense. I'm not going to believe that they're just going to be totally fine until I see it consistently. Well, and I agree with you, Aaron Jones, one of their most dynamic players, got to get the ball. Also, 32-year-old Randall Cobb was only targeted three times. I think we need to triple maybe quadruple that over the course of the season. Let's throw more jump balls to him too. Uh, notoriously good jump ball guy, Randall Cobb at age 32. Are you being sarcastic? Yes. Okay, good. Yes, I am. I, I need to say on the, the front of the offense and expectations, I, I have an admission. I apologized about this on my show yesterday. I feel like I missed the ball on this. I missed the boat. You know, all off season, we thought Devonte Adams leaving sucks, but this will force Rogers to look elsewhere, which will be good. And as a matter of principle, matter of theory, I still agree with that. However, this is something I didn't think about. Rodgers always had Lazard open and MVS open and Tunyon open, whether he threw them the ball or not. He had them open because Devontae Adams was occupying half of the defense at once, right? So it's easy to think, oh, Tunyon was always open. Lazard was always open. Just throw them the ball. Even if Adams isn't there, there's other guys. Well, Will those guys be open if Adams isn't occupying half of the field and distracting half of the defense? Maybe not. And I think that was a little bit of what happened on Sunday, and now I'm kind of worried about that. And I'm almost embarrassed that I didn't think about that over the offseason. That's on me. It's a good point. And honestly, there were guys open down the field, and Rodgers even talked about it. He had looks down the field throughout the game. Sometimes mm -hmm. the pressure just got to him too quick, which is something you would assume. I, one, it will be fixed against worse front like the Vikings have a have really solid front seven and their defensive coordinator really impressive in his debut but I the offensive line you would think would fix that as well the time to throw was part of it but this stat that uh, Bill Barnwell brought up as well five air yards per attack there were a lot of throws in and around the line of scrimmage throughout the game and some of them I, people have gone and pointed out here he could have gone there I, not to go into the specifics of each one, but that's down three full yards from last year where it was pretty much all dink and dunk stuff after that Watson incompletion in the beginning. 
And it worked like they had the long drive that ended in the failed fourth down conversion on the goal line. But you're right. There isn't that explosiveness. And when they're down, there just wasn't that ability to go score and respond with a touchdown. There just I there isn't that big play. There isn't that instant impact. You know, OK, we're going to get the ball, whether it's Devontae or Lazard or whoever. Uh, uh, we're going to attack the secondary. The Vikings just sat back. They kept everything in front of them and the Packers mm-hmm. weren't able to be methodical enough. I, I think that's a good point with Devontae going and it being tougher. But, I mean, yeah. Lazard wasn't even on the field. And I'm not the biggest Lazard fan. They need him because they have nothing else. I was I, I was disappointed in how little Sammy Watkins did. I suppose that's fair. I, I guess I didn't really know what my expectations for Sammy Watkins were. That's tough. I It's frustrating for me to watch all these replays and watch all these clips of Christian Watson breaking out of his route and being wide open and looking really good and then not getting any looks really after the first play of the game. The Packers really don't have many playmakers who can create something out of nothing, right? Adams could do that. But, but other than that, it's basically Christian Watson with his size and speed. And, you know, we watched Monday Night Football the other night, a lot of dinking and dunking, but Javante Williams, great in the open field, could get extra yards, right? Those were just free yards that he basically went out there and got. And then Jerry Judy on a ball that was an underthrow, able to snag it and then take it however many yards. Like that wasn't Russell Wilson. That wasn't scheme. That was Jerry Judy catching the ball and making a play because he's bigger, faster, whatever. The Packers don't have a lot of guys who are bigger, faster, et cetera, et cetera, except for Watson. So the more times the ball can be in his hands, the greater chance that he's going to create something out of nothing and get some free points. And the Packers were getting no free points other, you know, than the pass that he dropped on Sunday. Those would have been some free points, and he dropped it, of course. Yeah, I, game script does affect it, uh, where, I first of all, that Wilson throw, horrible throw, as you pointed out. Uh, gross. And you told me, when I pointed that out, to grow up. What was that? <laughs> because It made me laugh. You were just looking for anything to confirm your initial thoughts on Russell Wilson, which, well, yeah. at the end of the game, I, I guess they were proven right. At the end of the game, I will say this. I could have been the guy on my show yesterday saying, wow, Nathaniel Hackett coaches Russell Wilson for three months and trusts his kicker more. What does that say? I didn't do that, though. Some guys did. I did not. So I I, I controlled myself a little bit. Yeah, I did hear a little bit of it, though, and you got close to it. There were some, there were some subtle Why? jabs thrown in there. Or you said exactly what you were thinking while also prefacing it by saying, I'm not saying this, but you're allowed to. Kind some of are. Yeah. Some are saying. Yeah. I'm not. Some are, though. And you you connected the dots, which means I gave you the breadcrumbs, and it was so obvious that you drew that conclusion yourself. I can't be held responsible for that. Yeah, I guess that's effective radio. Uh, Grant, I'm going to read you Green Bay's offenses in 2020 compared to, mm-hmm. or offense in 2020 overall, top to bottom, compared to that of 2022. 2020 wide receiver Devonte Adams, MVS Lazard, Tanya and a tight end, Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Lindsley, Patrick, and Turner on the offensive line. On Sunday, Sammy Watkins, Christian Watson, Randall Cobb, Rob Tunyon back at tight end, and then Yash Nyman, Runyon slash Tom Myers, Hanson, and Royce Newman. It's just, uh, it sounds kind of defeatist to say, but it's a personnel thing for me. Where we sit here today, I do you think Aaron Rodgers? is good enough to overcome the deficiencies around him while they get back healthy and while things click? I don't think it's a matter of him being good enough. I think it's a matter of him adjusting and tweaking his style of play for what they need. 
which is almost less is more, right? The more he tries to do himself and run around and go off script and, and kind of create this unspoken bond with his receivers, the worse, right? I, I think Rodgers absolutely can. But as we've seen with Russell Wilson over the years, and we see with Rodgers, and I'm sure there are other quarterback examples, and this is something I said a bunch last night, quarterbacks are stubborn, right? They like to play the way they like to play because they're one of 10 guys in football, like Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. They're both one of 10 guys in the world who can do what they do, and they want to do it their way. And I don't know that the way Rodgers has always done things is 100% conducive to running this Packers offense in 2022 and getting the best result. So he's got to adjust. I think he's good enough. I think it's it's a matter of can he tweak and, and can he be different, not necessarily better or worse. Yeah, I think the stubbornness applies here I almost directly when they're on the goal line and they're in shotgun and they're running whatever zone Yuck. read play that was. It, it sounds very basic. And I'm a Wisconsin Badger guy. I resort Get back to center. this. Run the damn ball. Get under yeah. center. Like, it sounds very simple, and it sounds very, you know, outsiders speak to say this, but in those instances, and I'll go back to the Arizona game last year, they ran a lot under center. They were under center for a majority of that football game, and it worked really well. When you're in that scoring position, I, Rodgers, I, I think he came out and said he made the wrong read there, or whatever reason, they didn't score. Get under center. Switch it mm-hmm. up a bit. I We mm-hmm. saw them try to operate the same as they did last year with different guys, and it just it didn't work. So uh, that is where we stand. They're 0-1. The Bears are coming on Sunday. At least I kind of take some joy in the fact it's the rivalry instantly in week two after adversity in week one where there's no way they'll have trouble getting up for this game. Can I, can I ask you a question, and maybe we could talk about this at a different point in the show, but you are – you are a Philly sports fan as well. So you have a great outsider perspective when the rest of football fandom sees the promo for Sunday night football and it's bears Packers NFL's oldest, right? Do you all just groan? Cause these games suck. Like these games aren't any good. Does the rest of football fandom just groan when this, when this inevitable Sunday night football matchup is on the schedule? Oh, no doubt. Especially, well, no, when the bears are good, which is, Almost never, but yes, I agree. I know what you mean. There was that one seasoning opening game a couple years ago where Rodgers goes down and then the Bears get up, what, like 20 to nothing or 20 to three. And then obviously Rodgers comes back and leads them to win with that long pass to Cobb. I can get up for it emotionally or I always would have been able to when the Bears were good. But I mean, it's a 10 and a half point spread. It's going to be better than last week. It's going to be better than Cowboys Bucks. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, the same way that Wisconsin versus New Mexico State will hopefully go better than their game against Washington State. We're going to touch on that more coming up. 877-867-1670. You want to get a hold of the program. That is how you do it. Twitter polls are up at Ben Z. Kenny. Do you feel better, worse, or the same about first the Packers lost to the Vikings? Over 50% say the same and 29% say better. Not many are kind of siding where I am today in the slightly worse category, given the questions and the unanswered things they have on the offensive side. Meanwhile, Badgers lose to Washington State. Better same or the worse on this Wednesday. 40% the same. 45% say they feel worse. Only 15% say better. So I I don't know whether it's just the contrarian in me, but I'm I'm on the complete opposite sides as as the public is on this uh, beautiful Wednesday. 
I mean, it was absolute dog crap weather here in Madison this weekend. Uh, it's a beautiful day today. I'm going to get out. I'm going to play golf after the show for the first time uh, in quite some time. Haven't had uh, a free day to really do anything. I'm excited for that. Uh, the Brewers also are playing tonight. They won last night, which I don't know. Yeah, cool. They did, Ben. Uh, yeah, they did. What was the question you asked me before the show? Oh, just to put it out <laughs> I, there. I said, I, I watched that game last night. You tell me what, which team looks like the best team in the NL Central. Go ahead. What did your eyes tell you last night? And on that <laughs> note, that is that is Grant Bills. I'm Ben yeah. Kenny. It is the Bill Michaels show. We got more coming up next. Ready? This is the Bill Michaels show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. All right, welcome back, Bill Michaels Show. Ben Kenny, Grant Bills here with you on this Wednesday. We're filling in for Bill the rest of the week as well. Leading up to Packers, Bears, Badgers, New Mexico State, old friend Jerry Kill, former Minnesota head coach, comes into town on Saturday with, and I do not mean this as hyperbole, probably the third worst team in college football. When they visited Minnesota a couple weeks ago, they were outgained somewhere around 500 to 20. Uh, that is hyperbole. It was more like 480 to 70 total yards. Uh, not a good football team. Big get right game for the Badgers this weekend. I guess the same for the Packers. The Bears win week one. I Kind of a fool's gold win to me. Like uh, One thing we're going to get to later, new coaches in the NFC North. Terrific debuts for Eber Flus and and Kevin O'Connell, I like to call him KOC, they're in uh, Minnesota. But the defense obviously frustrated Trey Lance a lot. It was rainy, it was weird. They scored on a couple big plays. Fields played well, but, you know, I, I'm not here saying the Bears are really good. The Vikings definitely are, or at least are showing they could be a contender in the division. But a get-right game this weekend, is that what we're calling it? Probably. If Matt LaFleur is going to go into halftime and tell Aaron Andrews that his team has no energy and effort, right? I don't think that's going to be a problem this weekend because Aaron Rodgers is obsessed in every possible way with beating the Bears, which I remember last year when Aaron Rodgers said the I own you comment. And then I came on air the next week and was like, it's actually a little weird, like how much focus he puts on the Bears. Like maybe can we can we focus on owning some playoff games, whatever. I, a little bit of a red flag at the time for me. But in this instance, I think it's good because Aaron Rodgers will be psyched out of his mind to play this game. And I think that'll affect the rest of the team. So energy and effort shouldn't be a problem. Shouldn't be on Sunday. Plus, I do think going through what they did last year in the beginning of the season and clearly turning it around, getting the one seed, having vets still in the room that saw that happen, they know mm-hmm. what to do to get up because they played the Vikings. I mean, not the Vikings, the Lions in prime time last year, week two. And a slow start to that first half, defense struggled there, but then they turned it around and the rest was history. Having the the uh, vets in that room that know what's going on, I think, is definitely positive for them. 877-867-1670. Patience, if you're on the phone line, gosh, 10 seconds. Just Did someone drop off on instant you? Instant hang up. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting to you. 877-867-1670. We'll take calls throughout the show. Uh, can fit in a lot coming up here. At 11, we're going to get more into the Badgers and where thoughts are for the rest of the season. Program state thoughts. Many people questioning Paul Christ. It's hard to directly disagree, but we'll expand upon it coming up at 11. One thing I did write down for the show today, Grant, 
a concerning trend throughout Matt LaFleur's coaching tenure. He has not lost many games, but in my youth, I'm originally from Philadelphia. If there was one thing Andy Reid was and still is really, really good at, it's winning after a bye week. He never lost after a bye. It It was almost guaranteed no matter who the opponent was. Matt LaFleur, after a bye so far in his career, 2019, loses to San Francisco, and then they did win in the divisional round uh, in the playoffs, so I guess one and one. 2020, lost to Tampa Bay after the bye in the regular season. They then beat the Rams in the divisional round, so one and one there as well. 2021, they had that special teams weird game against the Bears where the Bears had all those crazy returns, uh, but they ended up winning that, and then they obviously lose to the Niners in the divisional round of the playoffs. One and two in the regular season after a bye. Two and one in the playoffs. Two straight years, though, of the team coming out completely flat and sloppy in week one. I mean, it feels like a kind of concerning trend that when this coaching staff has a lot of time to get ready for games, formulate a game plan, get the team set, that's when they fall flat and that's when they get beat. Well, they're poor after a bye. And they're poor in week one after following the the largest bye week of them all. Right. The off season. I don't get it. I think Matt LaFleur coaches a team that's very player led. Uh, Kevin Clark for the ringer put out a super long piece about Matt LaFleur a couple of weeks ago. So it's not like a quick read over lunch thing. You know, you sit down with some time and maybe some coffee and read it. And, you know, talking to a lot of players and people, it's Matt LaFleur lets his players lead. He delegates a lot. And I think that's great. But then there are certain moments when the players aren't really fired up or they're not energetic or they're not motivated and, and then they're in a tough spot. And I think maybe after a bye or in week one, you can't always be 100% player led. Sometimes we need a little bit more structure. We need a little bit more of a push. And I think Matt LaFleur week one's looking around like, hey guys, why are we not, why are we not gassed up? Do I have to motivate you? Do I have to hold your hand? And I think maybe having a really player-led team shows up in, in some of those moments as we've seen with LaFleur and his Packers. I think a lot of that delegation, though, is because of Rodgers being there, right? Like, mm-hmm. in LaFleur's ideal world, we see last year's Cardinals game as every single contest. But you yes. go back to the Vikings game on Sunday, I don't think that was completely LaFleur's fingerprint of, of what he wanted the offense to look like. I think a lot of that was Aaron. And it's sometimes it's amazing, right? Like, he goes, he wins so many games that quarterbacks, other quarterbacks would not win. I don't mean this as a knock. I see this as objective. You live by it and you die by it. At least what we saw on Sunday and what we've seen in the past as well is I'm sure a lot of that delegation is naturally because of who he has at quarterback. And I think he he probably has to concede some ground to Aaron Rodgers and he needs to give Rodgers ownership of the team and make him feel like, I'm sure he needs to let Rodgers feel like almost an equal to the coach. Whereas with a younger quarterback or with an inferior quarterback, that wouldn't be the case. It's very interesting. And I I saw this on Monday night with Hackett and Russell Wilson, like trying to figure out the dynamic of how these coaches deal with quarterbacks, especially these coaches that have now been paired with the quarterback later in the career as Hackett has been with Wilson and and now Lafleur with Rodgers needing to step lightly and and try to coerce and convince their quarterback to do things they maybe don't want to do because they're stubborn. Like we've talked about. I think that's such an interesting dynamic. It's more interesting when it's happening on someone else's team, like the Broncos, but I see it on my Packers, you know, just about on a weekly basis. We're going to expand upon it, man. You love the Broncos. You love that football team. It stinks. I like a lot of their players and I I like Nathaniel Hackett. I wish him nothing but the best. 
Packers guy, you know, but you're interested by to see Russell Wilson win. I cannot, I cannot and will not go through with Russell Wilson. What I went through with Matthew Stafford last year. I still don't think Matthew Stafford is that good. And the fact that it worked out for him that way does not mean we were all wrong about him for years. And the media was, no, 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 no. I will not relive with Wilson. What I just went through with Stafford. I refuse. I can't, I won't. We're going to expand upon that as well as much more coming up next. We are woefully late for a break. A lot more of the Bill Michaels show Packers, Badgers, thoughts from the weekend, thoughts moving forward. All that next. That is Grant Bills. I'm Ben Kenny. Back after this. This is the Bill Michaels show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Oh, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers on the practice field today, a little shorthanded at inside linebacker. Rookie Quay Walker had to leave the Vikings game with a shoulder injury after colliding with running back Dalvin Cook. Chris Barnes came in to replace him and just five plays later was carted off the field with his right ankle in a boot. Matt LaFleur. Obviously, KB, it, it looked pretty significant. I think we avoided uh, significant injury, so that, that was... Um, some good news today and you know I, I we'll, we'll give Quay the week but we're hopeful that he'll be back ready to roll the team has placed Barnes on injured reserve and promoted offensive tackle Caleb Jones off the practice squad before he signed on with another team one of Jones biggest supporters in the locker room is Aaron Rodgers yeah I thought Caleb had a great camp you know deserved to be on the 53 lucky to get him back bright future in his league you just you can't teach that kind of size but take the 6'9 340 out of the way the way that he worked from spring to fall camp and then throughout fall camp, he has what it takes to be a player in this in this league. I told him that uh, a couple weeks ago. I really like the person. I think he's a you know really good guy and excited to get him back. Jones started 31 games for Indiana, playing mostly at right tackle. Um, I'm extremely proud of what I've been able to accomplish. You know, um, I think I've made um, huge strides and improvements just in the right direction in terms of pass pro, you know, run block and run technique. Uh, learning the scheme, body weight, body control, just everywhere. I feel like I've, I've made improvements, and it's just about, you know, continuing to do that. And, you know, I think if there's one thing that I can really say that I've done in the last, you know, month that I've been here, it's proved to myself and proved to a lot of people that, you know, I deserve to be here, you know, despite the undrafted free agent tag, that I'm somebody that can play in this league. That's Packers offensive tackle Caleb Jones in Green Bay. I'm Mike Clemens on The Bill Michaels Show. Along with me, Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels today. 877-867-1670. As Mike noted, uh, some injury news. The Packers going to be weaker at inside linebacker moving forward with Chris Barnes going on IR. They did call up Caleb Jones. I don't really look at that. Uh, I don't really think it means much, Grant, I guess is what I'm trying to say with like I don't foresee him going into a game necessarily. It's I, I'm in a tough spot with this offensive line. I really am. They're really talented, but from what we've seen, they are grossly shorthanded at the moment. I, I You can't really create a conclusion about what they are, or what they could be until everyone gets out there, but we don't know when that's going to be. If Elton Jenkins comes back and is 90% of what he's been in the past, which is really good, and I think he will because he's young and he's proven to be just a monster at everything and anything that he does, if you just put him in the line, it makes everyone better. It's like, remember when Christian Yelich was an MVP in 18 and 19? Like, the rest of the lineup really wasn't that great. 
really not that much different what they have now, but Yelich being unbelievable in the middle of that lineup kind of uplifted everyone around him. Just getting your one, even just one of those two elite offensive linemen back, I think uplifts everyone else and makes a huge difference. Yeah, the hope is that Bakhtiari, when he does come back, that he will be effective. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time since yes. he's been on the field. It's been a long time since the injury, so yeah. we'll see. Uh, against the strong Vikings front, I don't think that would have gone really well, and we don't know exactly where he's at in the rehab. Maybe there, uh, you look forward on the schedule. There are some easier games in the beginning. Maybe there are some good opportunities to ease him in. But we shall see. They need him. They need him moving forward. All right. That's hour one. A lot more to come. That is Grant Bills. I am Ben Kenny. We can take your calls coming up. It's the Bill Michaels Show. Back after this. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.